0: Fun and happy almost winter break! Welcome to the fifth episode of our College and Arts and Letters podcast. I'm Hannah, one of your co hosts and an intern at the college. I'm also an intern at the college, your other co host, and my name's Sam. And you're listening to the Liberal Arts Endeavor. We've reached the end of our semester, which means this will be our final episode of 2016. Historically, we've brought in faculty members and their students to talk to us and the dean about their majors and the programs. But in this episode, we're talking to Kristen Gimerick, Margaret Bourne, and their experiences studying abroad and interning. Unfortunately, like the busy hashtag Spartan Dean that he is, Dean Long cannot be with us in this episode. If you haven't been following along with Dean Long, he is currently in LA at one of our Alumni Association events celebrating Spartans on stage, TV, and the big screen. If you're not already, be sure to follow the Dean on Twitter, at CPLong. He's going to like that shout out. Am I right? <laughs> you're not wrong. So first, um, we're going to have our guests introduce themselves. Um, we'll
1: start with Kristen. Just kind of tell us, um, you know, about you as a student and why you're here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, I am a senior. I'm a double major in global studies and professional writing with a minor in African studies in Swahili. Um, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. But uh, my family originates from Buffalo, New York. So I'm not a Michigander, but I love MSU, and I'm really excited that I spent
2: four years here. Great. Thanks. Maggie? Hi, I'm Maggie Bourne. I'm a senior double majoring in Arabic and comparative cultures and politics with minors in Muslim studies and peace and justice studies. I was born and raised in Maputo, Mozambique in southeastern Africa. And so I also am not a Michigander, and I'm also very upset by the cold, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also very grateful to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. We're glad to have you both here, and I feel a little lame coming from uh, Lansing, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, coming after from, from the House, House, yeah. right, 45 minutes on the road. <laughs> um, so how's everyone's finals weekend, finals week going?
1: Rough. <laughs> very rough. Yeah. <laughs> But getting there. Yeah. I mean, Wait. you're almost, you finished, right? Your 25-page paper? Oh, no, that was one of my 25-page oh. oh. papers.
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm about at the halfway point, so, you know. The trek still right. on.
1: <laughs> sounds about right.
2: The home stretch. Exactly. Awesome. So
0: um, you both are here because you have great experiential learning experiences, and we kind of like to talk to you about that, some study abroad, um, some internships, and some um, scholarships and awards that you've done. So Kristen, um, if you want to start just maybe from freshman year on, Mm -hmm. um, talk about what you've done outside of the classroom. Oh
1: boy. Um, Freshman year, I Actually started my first week as a business major with a minor in Chinese, so that was funny.
2: Um,
1: And then called my dad after my first CSE class and was like, Dad, this isn't for me. What am I doing with my life? And here I am still probably asking similar (laughs) questions, but a little happier. Uh, So I ended up in the global studies uh, major and really... Intrigued by East Africa, and that's kind of how when my language requirement popped up, I was like, Swahili, that's happening. I don't care how random that <laughs> is. It just feels right. Uh, so I went on my first study abroad summer going into sophomore year to Kenya, Western Kenya, uh, and I worked with vulnerable youth. We went to a romantome. home. We went to an orphanage, and we worked with a local youth community that does kind of nonprofit community outreach programming. So I learned a lot from that um, in terms of, like you said, that experiential value of going outside of your comfort zone, but also being a part of a community already established and learning from people your age that are in their own communities directly involved, like hands-on work. They were doing a community garden right in one of the local neighborhoods. uh, And it was really cool to be a part of that. And then at the orphanage, we spent a few days there kind of hanging out with the kids getting to know what they did at the orphanage. We helped clean, we helped organize, we helped teach them new games, lots of soccer, things like that. Uh, And then I entered my sophomore year feeling a little more motivated by the idea of continuing to learn Swahili and grow as a language learning student. And then uh, going into my junior year, that summer I went to Tanzania, uh, northern Tanzania, and I worked in a research group uh, for community sustainability uh, in a Maasai community they're an ethnic group in uh, Tanzania and Kenya huge ethnic group uh, in East Africa so that was really eye opening for me. you know a lot of obstacles, but a lot of amazing moments where I learned about myself and then coming full circle now i 'm here and trying to figure out that next step but uh, it 's been a really exciting process, and i 'm very thankful for all of the ups and downs of my college experience. You know, there have been moments where I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) And it ends up working out, you know? It ends up working out in the end, so.
0: What was your most memorable experience from your two study abroads?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. (laughs) I remember when we were in Kenya, we went up to visit um, this family in uh, the countryside. They all have, like, country homes that they go to kind of on the outskirts of the city, And so uh, we were up there, and we were outside, and they were cooking dinner, and they were like, we are going to prepare a goat. And I was like, cool, yeah, I'll try goat. And so they go over, and they start chasing this goat. And I'm like, oh, okay, so now I'm understanding. I'm a part of this process now. And they're like, who wants to slit the throat? And I, like, I never have been put in that situation before, so I didn't know how I was going to react, and I was like... I'm going to go sit in the hammock. (laughs) I approve of this. I'm not going to stop you, but I just don't think it's possible for me to be the one to slit this goat's throat. And so one of my uh, classmates decided to step up and do it, and she freaked out and didn't cut it off Oh, no. It was a whole fiasco, yeah. And so I'm laying in the hammock. I'm pretty sure I was listening to Dave Matthews' band as loud as I could, and I was just like, it's almost over. It's almost (laughs) over. And then by the time dinner came around, I guess I, like, you know, I tried to, like, it's an animal, you know, it's the circle of life. Like, this is a reality. And if anything, like, it was so memorable, but it was also just amazing to see the hospitality that they go to to sacrifice some of their livestock to welcome us and feed us. And so it's just almost the simplicity of that action but also learning just how different it can be when you cross those boundaries and you open yourself up to that so
0: absolutely very
1: memorable but also very eye-opening was there a big culture shock you know africa is a pretty like um
0: i don't know different place than Mm -hmm. than where we're used to
1: i think um and i'm sure you can speak to this because you lived there uh we, we glorify the sense of it being so far away when in reality, I felt like I connected more when I was there with myself and with some of the things that I experienced when I was um, born internationally. I think it's just, it's different because we think it's different and we're comparing it to what we think is, is normal, you know, and I'm sure they feel the same way. And so having conversations with people about what they think America is like was really cool too and interesting because, you know, you realize that when those conversations are opened up and those those doorways open up, you kind of learn that we're all just trying to figure each other out. And especially going into East Africa, I noticed that the biggest thing was uh, trying to understand as a young female, why I wasn't married and why, you know, why I was pursuing an education and where my husband was, (laughs) you know, sometimes like it was one of those things where you just understand it's a different culture. And there's a beauty in that because I think you respect the things about your own culture, but you also take on things from that, that culture as well that you kind of identify with. And I think that's part of traveling too. You know, I think that's why I've kind of found myself as I've traveled and as I've come back and c- kind of compared those experiences, so. Oh, that's so crazy and so fun. <laughs> so fun to listen about. But um, so you studied
0: Swahili. Did you mm-hmm. actually like speak Swahili while you were abroad?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh My most fond moment of speaking Swahili, I was with my dad. He came and visited me. We met in Kenya after I studied abroad in Tanzania because he wanted to, like, experience what I had been, you know, raving about when I would get home. And we were at, like, a tourist shop um, on our way home from safari. And uh, I was talking to this man, and he did not expect Swahili to come out of my mouth because I was bargaining for something. And so he was trying to rip me off. And so I just like started rattling off Swahili and I was bargaining with him and I was asking him the price and he was so shocked. And my dad just got the biggest kick out of it (laughs) because he was like he did not expect you to come up this short girl to come up blonde pair of blue eyes and just spit out some like serious Swahili. So that was kind of an invigorating experience for me to kind of see the other side of that and you gain respect because I think learning that language shows that you're there to stick around and you're there to understand that culture from their side because language is so powerful and there's so many things that you have to take into consideration when you're really learning a language you know social cues body language slang I mean it's it's in every language so It was really cool to see him start to kind of warm up to me when he was like trying to sell to me. And he was like, oh, okay, like you're kind of my friend, like you want to chat. And I was like, yeah, I'm not here to rip you off and I hope you're not here to rip me off. Like, I just want this like nice elephant.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. Maggie, have you found that with your Arabic? You know, some of the same things um, Kristen's been talking about with language.
2: Yeah, I mean, I also had a bargaining experience, and I remember at one point, <laughs> uh, I, I, this guy he said, "Look, you know, if you're going to pretend to speak the language, you know, you might as well just take my ID card. Yep. If You're going to pretend to be Jordanian. Take my ID card. You're more if you're so if you're so Jordanian." And, and you know, uh, he was throwing his card at me, and but I, I got the discount on the price. And <laughs> that's all that matters. In that's the why end. we do that when we bargain. But I, I think what I think your point about the ways in which people appreciate an An interest and a commitment to their culture and their language is has been really moving I mean I don't when I'm able to read a sentence in Arabic even a, a silly one like you know welcome at the airport I mean people are moved there mm-hmm. I think there's this expectation particularly of Americans that because we have it all in our insulated culture you know we don't want to explore the world. We don't want to open ourselves to these new experiences and new cultures. And when we take the time, what we're saying is that you are valuable, you are interesting, your history is worth studying, your culture is important to me and to the world. And I think that it's been really encouraging in my interactions, not just with the Arabic, but with Portuguese and French, which are the languages I grew up speaking, to see the ways in which you can really create an almost instantaneous bond by having that investment in a language. Definitely.
0: Where exactly have you studied abroad then?
2: I only did one study abroad okay. program. I went to Amman for uh, about 10 weeks and I studied Arabic intensively in, um, in Jordan, which was a really fun experience. I mean, uh, I really don't believe it's possible to truly learn a language in a classroom. Right. I I think you need to have it come to life around you, to be spoken in the streets, to mm-hmm. be a part of your lived, breathed experience from morning till night. And I think that that's what study abroad really offers you. I think it's pretty indispensable to anyone who's hoping to actually achieve any level of fluency in a language. And it's really meaningful to see the ways in which uh, language functions to build connections, to access different experiences, to explore parts of the world and parts of communities that would be closed off to you otherwise. So I mean going on a study abroad program for language is the ultimate in experiences. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Definitely.
0: What you learned the most when
2: you were abroad? So um I also grew up abroad. So there wasn't this sort of culture shock. This is so very different. I don't know how to cope, you know, what is dust? What is, you (laughs) know, I don't know. Um, I think something that was difficult, um, though was coming to terms with how much I stuck out physically, stuck out physically. I, in a culture that's, very diverse, but at the same time doesn't represent someone who's blonde and blue eyed uh, like that, (laughs) you can't go unnoticed. And often what you're trying to do when you immerse yourself in a culture is to go unnoticed, is to fit in, is to have people accept you at face value and want to know more about you. And when the way you look, something you can't change is so glaring and prevents them from taking you as an equal and instead as an object of curiosity can really sort of change and affect the ways in which you experience that culture and I think that that's something that I struggled with and I hope someday with more consistent exposure and maybe a more extended period of time to overcome
1: Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree with that I felt the same
2: yeah so you've both spoken
0: a lot about languages and the importance of that and Mm -hmm. you're both kind of involved in that here on campus can you talk about that
1: yeah, uh, I work for the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, so I mean, language is in the title. Uh, I love it. I kind of stumbled upon it almost on an accident, and like it was kind of fate in a weird way, because I'd been looking for a way to bridge what I had experienced in my first study abroad with being involved in the MSU community, and from there, I took off with my mentor, Luca, um, who works for CELTA, and what we'd kind of started was this language advocacy campaign. And we've been reaching out to students who have similar passions for applying language. And we've even interviewed Maggie, um, which is kind of funny. It's full circle in this room. (laughs) But so, yeah, so we've been really trying to instill in the language community, the importance of going outside of the classroom and learning that Lansing itself has so many connections to international communities and countries I mean I interned with the refugee development center this summer I know you've done work with them too Um, and just being able to interact and converse I mean I was practicing my Swahili in Lansing Michigan I never thought I would be able to do that if it wasn't within a classroom so for me that's where I've kind of applied the power of language and creating stories telling these stories to inspire people and influence them and also give this knowledge and kind of, like, break down these barriers and these misconceptions that there aren't people on a national level that want to go abroad and really immerse themselves and be a part of something different. What day-to-day does CELTA do? What, you know, if I'm interested in a language mm-hmm. and come to you guys, what do you offer? So they do a lot of um, language help classes, and they do a lot of almost teacher trainings um, set up in terms of, uh, language teaching, um, facilitation. Um, and then a lot of what we do is more of the outreach, kind of the PR for like the students. We've been trying to kind of ignite more of like a youthful presence within CELTA because I think it creates that backbone and that energy to reestablish, you know, we want people to re-enroll in language classes. We want freshmen to get excited about the language requirement instead of rolling their eyes and saying, great, one more class for me to have to do, you know. So I think it's about bringing to life that day-to-day. We do a lot of uh, social media outreach. Uh, I personally um, interview and write uh, the stories on our, um, our website and I love doing it. We have Hannah Robar; she does the photography. She's awesome. Uh, and so I think it's just that community, and we kind of all have our little parts in it. Um, Angelica Kramer is the director, and she's she's in she does all of it. Like she's either in her office with her door shut, like going hard, or she's running around well somewhere. So um, it's amazing. We have a lot of working people that all have that same fire and that same passion for language. And I think that's what makes it work day to day and in the long run as well.
0: What about you, Maggie? Are there any um, on campus or like local organizations you've been working with lately?
2: Yeah. um, I think that the most important thing about any education is is applying it immediately. I think that you need to take what you're learning theoretically to the ground. And so, as you said, I actually worked at the Refugee Development Center for a year as well, and same skills of French and Arabic were immediately applicable, and in mm-hmm. um, making people more comfortable in an environment that was shocking, and especially coming from traumatic experiences, having that connection is really powerful. Um, other experience, the other, I think, experience that most utilizes the international skills that I've developed has been. My work as a peer advisor in the Office of Study Abroad, which is mm-hmm. um, in the International Center, room 108. And, <laughs> um, and our big project is to try—it's actually pr- very similar to, to I think, mm-hmm. uh, what you're trying to do in— increasing interest and exposure to language learning opportunities. What we're trying to do is increase exposure and interest in the world beyond MSU and to show exactly what I believe in most, that an education should not be limited to a classroom, that it can take on, as you're saying, all these different expressions of experiential learning, whether they be we offer public service um, study abroad programs, research study abroad programs, internships, um, and even the ones that are just faculty-led courses involve going to museums to hearing guest speakers from the countries where you're visiting about the topics that you're interested in. And it really provides a three-dimensional look at issues that you just cannot get from a walled room mm-hmm. in, at an East Lansing, or you can't always get. And So, yeah, we're just working on showing students who might think that this is the ultimate, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's a whole world out there and they deserve to be a part of that larger world.
0: And Maggie, you were one of 12 students in the country recently to receive the Mitchell Scholarship. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I am so passionate about the scholarship, not just because (laughs) I won it, but um, (laughs) also because it the philosophy of it so much aligns with everything that I stand for. It believes in activist scholarship. It looks for people who take what they're learning and make the world a better place with it. And I'm so proud that they considered me one of them. And basically what they're looking for is agents of change um, towards a consistently progressive, expanding and more accepting world. And it's offers a fully paid master's degree in Ireland. And so I'll be going to Dublin um, in September. And after a year, I'll have a degree in international development, environment and conflict, which is another really, I think it says a lot just in the name, because what it represents is this intersection of a lot of different issues. And I think that that's something that I've recognized with my various international experiences and also with majors that focus on comparing cultures and um, exploring different experiences, the thing is that you always have to look at the other side. You always have to consider the other parts that are at play, the other facets of the issue you're talking about. And particularly if you want to have a constructive solution or move the world effectively towards a better future, you need to be willing to listen, consider, and to understand that things are complex. And I appreciate that this master's, master's program is going to give me the opportunity Giving give me the tools to better put that philosophy into practice. Um, I hope to ef- eventually go into refugee policy. Amazing.
0: <laughs> well, talking about it, you seem so passionate, <laughs> and so deserving of <laughs> yeah. it. So you can't see because it's a podcast. Yeah. My hands are <laughs> waving around and yeah, so excited. <laughs> lots of energy and passion <laughs> exuding from Maggie. Right now. <laughs> so we know what you're doing. Come twenty fall of 2017. What about you, Kristen? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got the question on. a lot over the weekend, and I, I had a different answer each time. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> um, oh, that's a tough one. Right now, I, I really want to be in the world of nonprofit. I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away as I reflect more and more on what I want to be involved in after I graduate is I want to feel like I have purpose and Purpose with intent, not just the purpose of getting up every day and going to work. I mean, I think that's a reality of our society is that, you know, we feel that pressure to have that nine to five job and to, you know, keep that c- consistency and that stability. But for me, I think I'm craving something more. And so I'd love to see either delving into some kind of graduate research. Um, I've considered the Peace Corps and still weighing those options. Uh, but honestly, I'm so open to any possibilities that it's almost overwhelming, and that's why that question's so loaded for me. It's it's not me. Yeah, I'm applying to jobs, interviewing, and yeah. calling it a day. It's, all right, I've got A, B, C, and uh, <laughs> I don't know which one I'm going to pick, but I honestly like to think that it's going to go the way that it's been these past four years where you just go with your instinct and, you know, mm-hmm. like similar to what Maggie's been saying, just how you know there's things that are so interconnected when you realize and kind of sit sit back and kind of meditate on your passions and you realize at the end of the day that they really are kind of pointing you in one direction and I know as like I get towards the end of the year you know that pressure's on but I'm trying to just embrace all of the things that I've learned so far in college and take those and trust that that's created a an amazing foundation for whatever lies ahead. So amazing.
0: If all else fails, you can just be the Linton Hall photographer because (laughs) uh, we've got about, mm, I don't know, five or six of your photos from study abroad
1: lining Linton Hall. Oh my goodness. I only saw one. I walked in one day for uh, an advising appointment with Dan and I I was like, "Dan,
2: yeah, (laughs) he worked in the office of study abroad. He's so
1: awesome. And I looked really flustered when I walked into his office and he's like, are you okay? And I go, they hung my photo (laughs) on the wall (laughs) I had no idea. And so I was being like that obnoxious fangirl for myself and like taking pictures (laughs) of my own picture. And I was like, wow, I did something. (laughs) So I need to go back and like scope because I only saw one and I was like, oh man, I didn't know this was happening. (laughs) All over our website.
0: (laughs) Um, uh, and if you want to see her study abroad in action, she's got some pretty awesome footage in our study abroad <laughs> video, which has 28K views. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, big things. Kind of blew up, so. <laughs> You're kind of famous. <laughs> All right, guys. I think it's uh, ding, ding, ding time for our favorite part of the podcast. Uh, usually, that sound means that it's time for the rapid fire round. <laughs> but this time, we're mixing it up. We're gonna play this or that. So we're gonna give you two options, <laughs> and we want uh, let's see. Let's do first, Kristen, then Maggie. All right. Uh, just tell us your gut instinct. You know okay. what what uh, you prefer. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maggie Glad start you're starting. <laughs> <laughs> Fall or spring semester? Fall. Oh, fall. I did not have the same question. Oh, yeah. Um, exam or final paper? Final paper. Paper, for sure. Sparty the mascot or Sparty the statue?
1: Oh, man. I'm going to go with Sparty the statue. Yeah, Sparty Keep the mascot smells kind of weird. <laughs> that I is, is know, true. in him, too. Like, true. it is him, so I don't
0: know. <laughs> Um Spartan football or oh no. I mean chocolate or sesquicentennial centennial swirl. Killed oh, it.
1: That's hard. Um centennial swirl.
2: Yes. Chocolate. <laughs>
1: it's a little crazy. Okay now Spartan football Sorry. or basketball? Spartan football. Basketball. Ooh. Not
2: oh,
0: a football person.
1: <laughs> Study abroad or an internship? Mmm. Depends. Or both. But I'll go with uh Internship, where I'm at in my college Oh, <laughs> uh, study abroad! I gotta stay loyal to the job. <laughs> yeah, so there yeah, you go. Coffee or tea? Right now, finals week. Coffee. Yeah, clearly coffee. <laughs> Ocean or mountains? Ocean.
2: Mountains, mm-hmm. Grand Tetons. By the, if you've ever been, oh, I your have, mind. been. they are beautiful, right? <laughs> and last but not least, podcasts or music. <laughs> oh. I have to say podcast. You have to. Yeah. You're <laughs> on that. So. Podcasts that have a really cool theme song at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, <laughs> you You have the music. Perfect. perfect. <laughs>
0: Combine them both. All right. Let's do our acknowledgements. We want to thank our technical producer, Dan Trago, for basically doing everything for this podcast. Our marketing director, Ryan Kilcoyne, for dealing with all of our shenanigans. And, of course, the College of Arts and Letters. Check out all of our college's podcasts at cal.msu.edu slash about slash podcast. Last but not least, the idea and opinions expressed on this program do not reflect those of the College of the Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities of Michigan State University. Be sure to tune in next semester for all new podcasts about the amazing and wonderful people within our college. Thank you guys so, so much for being here. You we had a blast with yes. you. Thanks Thank everyone, you. Thank everyone you. for Thank listening. So and we'll see you next year.